And we're back here on Unusual Sources, 93.3 CFMU-FM, broadcasting to Hamilton at 93.3 on the FM dial, and the rest of the world at cfmu.mcmaster.ca, which our whole online broadcasting service is being updated right now as part of this uh, fundraiser that we're involved in. We'll uh, tell you more about that later. Of course, you can always call us at 905-528-9888 to contribute. But, uh, you know, we wanted to get out some Canadian talent there. And uh, actually, I'm speaking, I believe now, with Mark Taliano from right here in Ontario, uh, who has a lot to tell us about Syria. Mark, are you with us right now? Yes, I am. How are you, Brendan? I'm pretty good. How are you today? All right, thanks. Listen, I'm glad I was able to catch you for today. Um, the truth is, there's a lot of enthusiastic, talented people that are writing about Syria and doing a lot of act- action or activism to take on what our government has been doing there. Um, I got to say, there must be at least three or four books by now made by Canadians about uh, Canada's role in Syria or uh, what NATO is doing. Uh, you actually have your own booklet. It's, uh, it's called Voices from Syria, right? Yes, I do. Yep. And you helped with it. <laughs> yes, yes. I uh, found you some of those sources you were looking for. Glad to help. You know, uh, uh, there's a lot to say about that uh, booklet. Um, actually, I mean, we should we should make it easy for the listeners to get a hold of it. Um, it's called Voices from Syria by Mark Taliano. Yeah. Uh, and this is, uh, I think it's at Global Research. Is that right? Is that where you get it? Yeah, it's at Global Research. Uh, it's an e-book. Uh, um, and the good news is that uh, a publisher in Germany will be... Uh, translating it into German and then putting it out in print version in Germany and uh, an electronic version in Germany. And a friend of Tim Anderson is uh, translating it into Spanish as well. So that's uh, good news. Well, that's certainly interesting. There is demand from all over for um, any kind of original research uh, because of the total inadequacy and worse of the mainstream media on this, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, of course, on this program, we've talked about various uh, books uh, by a number of authors. Um, yeah. Yours is a very human account, um, you know, because it, 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 it really is a discussion uh, with people from Syria. Um, you know, it, it's made, it's written um, for ordinary people without a lot of jargon. You know, it's jargon-free. Um, and I guess, um, you know, I, I want to I get to the, um, the people you talk to, but I, I got to know, I mean, uh, you came onto the scene writing about this sort of thing, what what compelled you to, con- I guess, cover this issue in the first place? Uh, well, I had been, um, I had time on my hands. I retired early from teaching, but I had always read a lot, and I, and I had always been interested in what was really happening, uh, which uh, doesn't, don't find that out by turning on the television. And I saw that they lied, and all of us saw that they lied about uh, Iraq, and we all saw that they, well, hopefully we all saw that uh, the war on Libya was based on lies as well, and Ukraine. And uh, immediately I saw that um, the uh, government agencies, military-industrial complex, were fabricating stories about Syria, and I knew immediately, based upon my study and reading of other war, post-9-11 wars, that it was based on lies, and uh, and um, <clears throat> I guess I have a pension for pension for finding the truth uh, because the loss of life is horrible, and because Canadians at this point at this juncture in his in history are basically 
uh, not all Canadians, but many, too many, are basically oblivious of what is happening because the mainstream media now, corporate media, is so highly concentrated and 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 so monopolized by so few players that they're simply fabricating stories about what is happening overseas, which is basically close. Well, I sub, I call it a holocaust, really. I mean, and and it's all preventable. It's all unnecessary. It serves the narrow interests of the military-industrial complex and the oligarch class, and it's a huge disservice to humanity. Uh, for example, the 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 about fifty over fifty percent of the American dollar tax dollar goes to the um, military-industrial complex. That's madness, absolute madness. When when large segments of the population are living. In poverty, there's a stratospheric uh, incarceration rate. Large, uh, the middle class is diminishing, and in Canada as well, a lot of communities don't even have clean water. Yes, I mean it, these are two sides of the same coin: the yes. large military spending and the in- inability to fund uh, social programs and whatnot yes. at home. And of course, the war on terror, as you've indicated, has killed at this point. You know, if you include the Iraq War and, and the the Gulf War One, it's killed millions of people. So we have a responsibility to go beyond what the corporate media is promoting. As you said, it it largely speaks in one voice and can get you to believe anything. Yeah, uh, and you see the case with the white helmets, which we can talk about later. I mean, that's a sort of amusing. story. Story. It would be amusing if people weren't being killed. Uh, so you, yeah, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, exactly. It would be, except for the fact that so many people are being killed, and 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 even the language that uh, media is repeating incessantly is just basically an inversion of the truth. Because the war on terror is a war of terror. We are expanding the reach and scope and strength of terrorism. Well, often, uh, if you take the approach that what they're, they're saying the opposite of the truth, it often brings you to what's going on. And that's true, but people don't believe it because it sounds so ridiculous, but unfortunately, that is true. Well, okay, well, you've done good work on this issue, so let's talk about that, because you have tried to make a positive contribution to our understanding of a particular issue, and that, of course, being Syria. Now, um, yes, uh, as you noticed, uh, we were being and are being lied to about Syria, just as we were with previous interventions and regime change operations, as in the case of Libya. Libya, Iraq, yeah. and so on. So, um, you know, and, and you found a lot of lies were told to justify this. And so you did something that uh, amazingly few Canadian or English-speaking journalists have done, which is you traveled to Syria itself and spoke with actual Syrians. Yeah. Um, and, and that's interesting. And that, I think, that really forms the core of your book. It is called Voices from Syria for a reason. Um, but it's, it exists because you were able to talk to a number of people um, in Syria, um, and, uh, and and you were able to share what they were saying. And I guess, uh, I mean, how did you how did you find these people? Were all, were they all in one place or, or what? Like, uh, well, just to, just to provide a bit of context, there actually, your father gave me the uh, uh, the desire to actually go there, and. Um, and I had studied this. It's, I had studied this issue for for a long time and written about it for a long time before I did go. Uh, so I, I I went with the uh, Third International Tour of Peace, which is a group out of Australia, and uh, we uh, um, and it, we went to uh, I went to Lebanon and uh, uh, Beirut, and then we drove to uh, Damascus. And uh, this was with a group of like-minded people. We were all uh, from various countries, and we were all interested to basically see what was happening ourselves, to meet people, as we did, 
and to research for ourselves what was going on. And we had an opportunity to talk to politicians. We talked to the Grand Mufti. We talked to opposition politicians as well. And we saw some of the devastation from the uh, Western-supported terrorists and their uh, efforts. Well, they, they are committing genocide. They have committed genocide. They're trying to get rid of Christians. But they're also slaughtering Muslims as well. And um, so they're totally anti-Islamic terrorists, actually. Um, <clears throat> so, anyways, the fact that we went there gave us a better feel. A lot of us had researched this in, uh, prior to going. It gave, it gave us a better feel for what was really happening and what Syria was really about. Yeah, um, again, it struck me. I mean, you, you spoke with people, and they didn't all have the same exact same perspective or same way of seeing things, but um, they, they did uh, seem to share common issues and common problems. Uh, from what I was getting from your book and the interviews there, um, they, people were very upset with the foreign interference in their country. You know, I mean, they, they, they all had maybe their one or another way of looking at life and what they wanted to do, but uh, it was all being very much disrupted uh, by people who, uh, you know, with the people you spoke to, there was a keen understanding that uh, this this Syrian revolution, as it were, uh, could not exist without substantial foreign support, um, and and I, they seemed none too pleased with the fact that the U.S. or Canada or other countries were sanctioning Syria and then supporting armed groups. Yes, well, what one thing that struck me was the Syrians uh, seemed very very well educated, extraordinarily well educated, and that would be the fruit of the fact that they have free education and uh, free health care. Um, so they're very intelligent, very well informed. Those that we met, and they have a, a uh, they have a very strong awareness of what is happening, and um, they they support the government that is protecting them right now. Because if they did not have the government, they know. I, see, Canadians aren't aware of this, but they know what would happen. Because they've seen this happen in Libya and Iraq and so on, they know what would happen if they lose this war, which is it will uh, they they will lose any any and all democracy. They will be submitted. Uh, I mean, they'll have to live beneath uh, Sharia law as they do and did in terrorist occupied areas. Any any Syrian who has been held hostage by terrorists in any occupied area of of Syria, such as Aleppo, for example, parts of Aleppo were occupied. They know what it's like to live beneath the uh, yoke of terrorism, and and they don't like it. And when they, when Aleppo was liberated, they celebrated. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems that you know once you've been you know liberated by the Western supported rebels, you don't really have a choice on how 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 you live or what that liberation entails. Um, now, uh, I guess you wrote about certain areas, certain geographical areas. Uh, what's this? I think you mentioned here the village of uh, Kassab, or is that a town? Well, yeah, there was um, there. Uh, Lily Martin uh, told me a story. A lot of these are stories, okay, and she, but they're backed up by uh, corroborating evidence. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the stories, uh, which is uh, supported by Dr. D. Clan Hayes, uh, dealt with um, uh, really the horrific um, uh, episode of genocide committed by uh, terrorists, many came who came in from Turkey. Uh, under the banner of the Free Syrian Army, and they they basically slaughtered uh, Lily Martin's neighbors if they were Christian. 
Uh, it was a, and and that's a, that's a, okay. So and that that story is totally completely corroborated by an eyewitness account from Doctor D. Clan Hayes, Kassab's descent into hell. Uh, he he wrote about that, and that's in my book. And, and that is a, a real strong concern right now. Um, Syrians identify themselves first and foremost as Syrians, and religion is a matter of personal choice, and that's their own business. And it's a secular government, and prior to this invasion, mosques literally were located sometimes right next to Christian churches. And and a, a real fear, and a legitimate fear, is that Christians will be, will continue to be forced out of Syria, and that will weaken Syria, because Syria's strength has always been its, pluralism, its pluralism. It has always been uh, proud of the lack of sectarianism, and, and it's been proud of the fact that it's accepting and tolerant. And uh, the Western terrorists are trying to create a sectarian mess there. And um, and the story of Christians is, is important. We also went to Malula, where the uh, Al Nusra Front terrorists uh, desecrated uh, Christian areas in the chapel and holed up in a hotel and, and, and ultimately claimed the lives of about 200 Syrian soldiers who, who eventually liberated the city. Uh, but, yes, these terrorists uh, do commit genocide, have committed genocide. Of course, they slaughter Muslims as well. They, they're, not, they're not Islamic at all. They're anti-Islamic. Uh, but what is striking is the, um, is the profound silence from not only our government but also Christian communities. I mean, Armenians, for example, lived through a genocide in an in earlier history, and the same type of history is repeating itself, has repeated itself, uh, and Christian churches that I am aware of, the Christian community, is uh, mostly silent. And I guess we can thank, in large part, the mainstream media lies for that. Yes, we have heard from individual priests uh with, yeah. within Syria, but, you know, you have to get their message out from there, so it's not the easiest. It's not easy to get the message out. It's so interesting, because one thing I did get from those accounts, of course, is, yes, Syrians understand at, uh, at, at sort of an individual level that um, Syria is a pluralistic society, and, you know, people were not in any large scale, killing each other for religious reasons before this uh, liberation of the Syrian revolution in 2011. Uh, so it's very disappointing to see that, but also oh. that we we may see an end to that uh, sooner or later as well if uh, uh, the Syrian government continues to retake territory. I sure hope so. Uh, prior to this war, what people don't realize is Syria was one of the safest places in the world to visit. I mean, people would be shocked to hear that, but it's true. Uh, it, it's a thriving, it's an ancient, it's a holy site. Once you've been there, you can't forget it. It's the, the ancient, and, and it's a very uh, spiritual place. And the indigenous, it, it, it's, it's, uh, the, the indigenous Christian community is being highly persecuted right now. All of, and in fact, all of Syrians are being held hostage by governments such as Canada because of the sanctions, which are also terrorism. Well, unfortunately, that is true, because uh, sanctions do a great deal of harm when you apply them en masse to a population like Syria, yeah. as we saw in the case of Iraq and now Syria, and it seems we're trying to turn Syria into Iraq, you know, with all the sectarian yeah. warfare and sanctions and so on. Yeah. You know, those do a great deal of damage, and also even something like ending diplomatic recognition for a country like Syria, which our government had done, yeah. what that means is that sort of casts them out uh, from the world community, and it makes it hard for them to have relations 
relationships with other countries and engage in trade, which you would need in an emergency like that. And, you know, and that ultimately means that a few thousand terrorists, if they can be spread out in the country, create uprisings and disruption, and then that government is delegitimized, unrecognized, and sanctioned, that can cause, you know, that, 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 that took Syria years to recover from. Well, uh, yes, the sanctions are terrorism because people, I mean, it's uh, impacting health, it's impacting uh, food supply, and it, it basically Canada and its allies are trying to destroy that country. Uh, and when they destroy a country, when they deprive, when, when the West terrorists uh, uh, knock or, or keep water from entering or knock out uh, thermal plants and knock out electrical plants, uh, make pe- people suffer, and then inject, uh, uh, I mean, it's more than 3,000 terrorists. Like, it's more 100, we're talking over 100,000 terrorists, foreign terrorists, uh, injecting all these terrorists and all these mercenary terrorists uh, to basically occupy areas and bomb unoccupied areas with uh, using, say, for example, uh, natural gas containers filled with explosives and, and, and nails. This is how it, the war is a war on the Syrian people. That's what it is. But the Syrian people are very strong, very intelligent, and they have a secular government, and that's why they're going to win. And that's why they are winning. Yeah, they, they may indeed Sanctions win. Sanctions are absolute terrorism. Now, for example, some people held hostage in these terrorist-occupied areas. They have no choice. They, it's either they starve and their kids starve, or they work with the terrorists. They don't have a choice there. And, they, and now that Aleppo has been liberated, they've, they've found areas where there was mass torture uh, it, it, and, 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 of course, all sorts of NATO weaponry. And um, it's, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. Well, yes. But, but, again, Aleppo, it's a different story now. And, uh, again, the <laughs> trees are being replanted. Schools are reopening. Um, there are a number of positive developments, which you won't read about in the Globe and Mail, of course. You but they did cut off the water again, and the water, uh, that, w- during the terrorist occupation of parts of that town, other areas of Aleppo, they had to dig, dig their own wells, just because the terrorists cut off water, which is a, a, t- a th- this is what the West does. They, they make life unbearable and unlivable as, as much as they can. Sanctions prior to the, the illegal invasion of Iraq killed about, oh, uh, I think over 500,000 kids under the age of five just because, and it was premeditated, it was willful. They knew that hitting those water treatment plants would create dirty water and that people would die. They're playing the same games in Syria, although uh, they're not as successful, thank goodness. They're knocking out water, or they're trying to, uh, and uh, right now, for example, the Syrian army is, is liberating Water plants, pumping stations, thermal plants, reoccupying oil fields to get because part uh, uh, well see the the West was illegally bombing infrastructure in Syria prior to Russia's uh, involvement. In fact, uh, I have sources and information in the book that demonstrate that ISIS territory expanded during the West's so-called fake illegal war criminal invasion. And then Russia came in and put an end to that, and now we've seen a reversal of the strength of the terrorists. Well, even the U.S. government has admitted that it uh, felt bad that Russia came in there, uh, weakened ISIS, and saved the government. Uh, you can you can look at statements by officials who are hoping that wouldn't happen. Um, but you know, uh, publicly disclosed regime change war in Canada as well. Like, actually, it's a government change war. They wanted to, yeah, it's publicly disclosed. All of the information that we're using is Western open source information. Admissions from political figures, including uh, uh, Biden, Joe Biden. I mean, it's all there 
but the media glosses it over and changes it and spins it and lies and distorts, and then pretty soon everyone is enmeshed in confusion and the war crimes continue. Yeah, there's a lot of inconvenient truths out there with regard to Syria, and we certainly can't go through them all, but one to touch upon perhaps is the, uh, the White Helmet story is ongoing and continuing, and of course we've been presented with the White Helmets as this do-gooder organization, and yes. they have, they're on Netflix, and now they got the Oscar, and oh, don't we all love that, and isn't it great? But of course, um, you know, the, there's a lot to be said, and we've covered it on this program before, but it looks like there's a new study that just came out. Some uh, Swedish doctors, I believe, yes, Swedish medical doctors investigated one of the uh, famous White Helmets video uh, where they were uh, rescuing children or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they had some things to say about that. Um, you know, it looks like it's actually quite disturbing. Did, did you catch that report? I, I read it. Uh, I've I followed a lot of Vanessa Bealey's work. She's done some excellent work uh, with White Helmets. White Helmets is part of the soft power complex, which is basically war propaganda. And they are basically Al Qaeda helmets. They're, they are the uh, the people in white helmets are terrorists. The one terrorist tried to enter the United States, and he, <laughs> this is ironic. He couldn't because the U.S. supports terrorism, but he couldn't because uh, the left arm didn't know what the right arm was doing, and uh, someone flagged him as a terrorist, which he is. Uh, but actually, Vanessa is showing that these people who are posing as white helmets, posing as uh, saviors to to uh, people are actually uh, Al Qaeda terrorists who who are you know brothers in arms with their fellow terrorists. Well, that has been established by people like Vanessa Beely who use photo evidence, and by photo evidence, I mean basically a hundred or so photos at this point that show yeah, a huge pe- number of photos yeah. with the people who are white helmets who are also members of uh, Jabhat al-Nusra and the various other gangs who uh, are both wearing seen with their battle fatigues and in other images wearing and holding assault rifles and then moving corpses that are of, of, of you know government dead soldiers given the victory sign yeah uh, in some cases you know being involved in corpse disposal after uh, executions by these forces yeah. but that's in the that's already been shown what's now coming out of course is these medical doctors <laughs> It's funny, they got some real doctors who are, you know, actually, uh, you know, accredited doctors mm-hmm. uh, have looked at the White Helmets footage of one of their videos, and they said that it, um, it's extremely um, uh, amateur and dangerous the way that they were acting in the video. And yeah. they, they looked at, you know, one one guy put a, a needle into a kid's chest, into a sternum or whatever, and oh, yeah. they said if, if that child had been alive then that would have killed the child. And, and, that's, and they said it's not the right way to do it. And they, there's one of the doctors was, they, tr- they actually translated what was being said because there were no subtitles in the video. And the, one of the translations said, uh, oh, we put, put, the, uh, put the children here and so the camera gets it in the frame here. Yeah. And, you know, all this stuff. Like, so there's allegedly this disaster and an emergency and they're looking at how to frame it for the camera and so on. And it's, all, it's all very dodgy. And, um, well, they're engineering fake news is what it is. Well, that's the thing, too, right? And all this... I mean, it's criminal. It's, it's criminal. It's war propaganda. But you, you hit it right on the head there. And that is, we're all obsessed about fake news and how fake news is causing people to do the wrong thing. Well, here's... Actually, White Helmets is fake news. It's a great example. And you can, you can document that in, in, from many dimensions. From and these are serious crimes because these are, are part of the complex of, of propaganda that are, are enabling and, uh, and strengthening this, this war against Syria. It's a very serious crime, but, I mean, will they ever be held to account? I sure hope so. 
Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, that's above my pay grade, but uh, you're right that, in fact, if, if you're part of a media, if you're a journalist and you are using propaganda to incite war against another country, that, in fact, was decided to be a war crime in, after World War II. And it, it is criminal what a lot of news organizations are doing. And that's why. And will they be held to account? That's the big question. Well, we have to hold them accountable, Mark. And, we have to work at it. Yeah. You know, the thing, you've done a great job on this. I, I know you've got to go, but I'll let people know where to find your stuff. And, um, of course, uh, you've launched your book. T- booklet twice at least here in Ontario and Hamilton yeah. and elsewhere so we're, that's great and you know when you keep writing articles uh, you're, you're out there on global research and other publications so we can always catch you in the future so thanks for the work you're doing we'll probably hear from you again here on Unusual Sources or maybe the Taylor Report in the not too distant future especially if there's those uh, tours to Syria any more of those so yeah. thanks very much for the work you've done on all this Mark. Thank you very much Brendan. Okay catch you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. That of course was Mark Taliano. Uh, Mark Taliano is a local uh, retired teacher Actually, um, he went to Syria as part of the uh, third international tour, I believe, uh, with other Canadians and um, met uh, people in the international delegations, but especially met Syrians um, who were having a very hard time having their stories told outside of Syria. Um, Only a very select group of Syrians is allowed to represent Syrians here in Canada and in North America and Australia in Great Britain and so on. So... That was a very valuable trip, and uh, the new information about the White Helmets, don't take my word for it. You can go look up, I think it was the uh, Swedish Doctors for Human Rights or some such thing. There's Dr. Leif Ellender, uh, a known Swedish medical doctor and specialist in pediatrics, and uh, there's uh, it's the organization is abbreviated S-W-E-D-H-R. That's S-W-E-D-H-R. These are doctors who have investigated the film of the White Helmets to uh, criticize the veracity of (laughs) what was alleged to be a a scene of children being rescued. This is serious business in this day and age. We live in a very Hollywood media environment. 